Hello everybody and welcome to episode 97 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, Mark's midlife crisis extravaganza, Nintendo Yokei Hon, an early contender for best story of 2018, and our book club this week plays firmly into the Robinson wheelhouse as we go platforming in Rayman Origins. Let's start the show. This is Link to the Cast, episode 97, from linktothecast.eu, available on all your favourite podcasting platforms, be it Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, or Stitcher. I'm your party host, as always, Dave Ryan, joined by the platforming prodigy, the meditating Mark Robinson. You can, Mark, call, me, you? You can call me broken Mark Robinson. Broken Mark Robinson. You're certainly not woken, <laughs> Mark Robinson. Not, no. <laughs> There's a lot of things about you, but you are not awake. I'd say, well, I'd say I'm woke, but maybe not yeah. woken. How are you? Um, well, I'm three days away from turning 30, and mm-hmm. my, my body is preparing in the <laughs> only way it knows how. <laughs> You're celebrating your birthday week by your back giving out on you. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't go to the office today. Uh, no. Just, I came in, and there was a miserable fraction of a figure. Mi- a miserable pile of a hard secrets. chair in the kitchen. <laughs> So, I'll be fine, though. I'm going big, to Amsterdam the weekend. Big 3-0. So. Yeah. How are you feeling about it? I mean, well, old and broken. Old and broken. <laughs> That's Otherwise, good. You're not having, like, the like sometimes the round numbers make nah, people go a bit loopy. Nah. Like, the thing is, is I... It's probably someone, like, about 40 years old, isn't it? going, you sons of bitches. Well, probably. Probably. <laughs> you know. But, um, I don't know. I think partly because, like... A lot of my teen years sucked, and a lot of my 20s sucked, and like things are <laughs> going alright now, so... Without further ado, tiny violin, Robinson. <laughs> well, no, like, it's just... Starting it, off your jaunty video game podcast. It's, it's a matter of fact, and I'm fine to, you know, I can openly accept that, and, oh. you know, things are alright now, so, you know, maybe the 30s will be better than the 20s, so... Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, with, 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 with that said, I'm going to give you your card on the air. Oh, that was, oh that you the son of a bitch. Yeah, because I, re- I I only cop today. Oh. Like, you're actually not going to be here on the day of your birthday, are no, you? No, I'm not. Yeah, I, so, I will be in Amsterdam. Yeah, I might as well do it now. Get oh. over and done with it. I actually well, got you an age-appropriate card. Welcome to your 30s, the decade of your life that separates I and never. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, you can see where this is going. I, yeah. Um, from I'm a Napa. Yeah, okay. Uh, ooh. Ooh, a GameStop gift card. Yeah. Ooh, for 20 euros. Oh, yes. Pro controller fun donation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave Ryan, you're a good man. Happy birthday, Mark. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think the the first year you were here, you turned 28. And uh, yeah. I got you a 40th birthday card. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> so this year I've gotten age appropriate. Yeah. I mean, um, to be, like, the thing is, is... Com- Compared to some other people that we know, like the whole getting older thing, it doesn't really affect me because I already feel old. So yeah, yeah. you know, the number just is actually catching you, up. Some to me. say you were born middle aged. It's it's a good possibility. <laughs> it really is. Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to going to Amsterdam. I haven't been before. Mm. Um, I was there when I was a kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I did the the history stuff because I was a history nerd. Uh, at I wasn't quite like as obsessive about my football back then where I would have been into like going to see Ajax or anything like that like I was into my English football but I didn't know anything about 
Unless they were playing United, I didn't care. You, you hadn't yet heard of Wesley Schneider? No, God no. no. It'll be several years before that revelation changed my <laughs> life. But um, how was Rico doing that, anyway? Uh, fine, just works ticking on as usual. Um, I played Settlers of Catan to about 3 o'clock in the fucking morning last weekend. You have a real fixation on that. It's a really game. good game. Yeah. Look, we have it in this fucking house. I know. Right? And... Feels like a running shtick that like you you approach me to play that game like exactly when I'm not in the mood to do anything every single time. Yeah, it's, it's exactly because it's every fucking evening. <laughs> we will have a games night at some point, and mm-hmm. we have to sit down. It's the only well, it should be about an hour long, but the problem is, is because you pick the tile pieces at the start and where you want to place them. Yeah, and if you put them too kind of spread out, no one can collect resources, and so mm-hmm. the game takes forever. Yeah. Um, so yeah so the original plan is we was going to play uh, the Game of Thrones version of Risk um, because that was going to take too long yeah I was going to say like unless you're planning to take a couple of weeks off work I'm playing Risk well so apparently I didn't realise Game of Thrones it's just lost on you it it was completely completely (laughs) lost on me all all anyone said was just take the north as long as you got the north because that had like the most area to to conquer yeah Um, but apparently there's like the, the kind of amateur version that you can play that's uh, in the box and yeah. then there's like the full on professional version which is in the box as well yeah. which yeah takes like a month two ways to play like you kind of the easy mode would be like playing with assist mode on a, on a game or something I guess like so that. Yeah. yeah Um. so we didn't get around to that but we did play Secret Hitler which yeah. I don't know if I've ever told you about Secret I, Hitler I know Secret Hitler because they played it on a TNT on Giant Bomb okay. years and years ago yeah Um. did they play it again on a big live live show live I, I don't know I've seen it being played though It's it's one of those games that I'm pretty sure I will never find like someone who's playing it for the first time for them to get it within like two or three games. Like you have to fuck up a couple of times to yeah. realize exactly what you're doing. Like, is it, it, this is the game where unless I'm getting confused with another game I saw them play is the one where someone is Hitler and you yes. try and figure it out basically. Yeah, yeah. so you got liberals, you've got fascists, and you got Hitler. Mm-hmm. And um, the liberals and the fascists don't know who Hitler is, but the fascists know who the other fascist is, basically. Yeah. Uh, and so the liberals are trying to kill Hitler, and then the uh, fascists are trying to get Hitler elected as chancellor. And um, like, the, there's but the, enough about 2016. Yeah, I know, right? And there's like a, a a small card that's the president, and that goes around each per- time, and each person as they go around as president try uh-huh. elects chancellor. Um, and there was a person who didn't realise that they were a liberal that had their eyes opened at the start when you're doing the whole, like, the fascists have to expose who the other fascists are while the liberals have their eyes closed. She had her eyes open. <laughs> she then killed Hitler without realising that that's what she was meant to be doing. And it was just a, it was a mess. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's a really, really fun game. It's only like 10, 15 minutes long yeah, per yeah. round. Um, and you realise pretty quickly who are, like, the sneaky bastards and who... <laughs> Schnakes. Schnakes, yeah. yeah. And who's just, like... Just like that person's Hitler, that person's Hitler, and then you realise that actually that person, the first place like was the comment section on YouTube. Yes, exactly. It really <laughs> yeah. is, uh, yeah, social commentary uh, in fifteen minutes of board gaming. Anyway, how was your week? Yeah, it was pretty good. You saw that film about fucking a fish. Yeah, I saw like loads of stuff. Like, I'm not going to go into detail much now that we've got a kind of every so often movie podcast for me to go into long form chats about movies but I saw like a bunch of movies this month already like and I, I legitimately I got the point I got this app recommended to me by Aaron Trites commentator for the League of Keels on Twitter <laughs> um, letterboxed with no E at the end it's, uh, X, it ends in XD uh, and it helps me keep track like for that podcast specifically it helps me keep track of the films I've seen yeah 
um it's a really handy little app for that and it helps you keep track as well of movies that you want to see but uh haven't come out yet so that you can kind of keep track of release dates but this month i've already seen five new films um molly's game which i talked about on that podcast the the popcorn social which is our once a month movie podcast i do with jack we'll be having you on at some point i'm sure um well i need to see more films this year than ferdinand so yeah yeah i I do want to see coco yeah i've seen coco i saw that this week as well yeah was that that's that's very good do you know who's in it's not it's not a yeah it's not a real spoiler or anything like that fast forward about 15 seconds if you don't want a spoiler for just a really dumb cameo is john cena in this no no do you know who's in uh coco when like he's in the land of the dead because you know it's about he goes over to the land of the dead yeah yeah. el santo (laughs) excellent i popped huge wait is it like just El he's just Santo. there he says nothing it, no it legitimately is him no, it's not say, like, is like is it El like, Santo doing his voice or is it no, just the concept it's, of it's just it is yeah but it's Excellent. not like it, it's, uh, it's you have to see it it's only okay. like it's, it's a blink and you'll miss it thing right. uh, but it's fantastic good uh, yeah so Coco's great that, as, that has me hopeful for the uh, animated Guacamole film yeah Coco is pretty damn great I saw Darkest Hour which is an alright movie with a very good performance from Gary Oldman to be fair I kind of prefer all the fallout from Darkest Hour yeah but you see that's the thing like it's one of the one it's one of those movies and I was saying this to Jack as well that really glosses over what a horrible and borderline genocidal cunt uh, well yeah that's like the whole English history curriculum yeah like a lot of people don't realise like Uh, a lot of the things he said and did not great Uh, but he was he was right about Hitler in fairness to him oh well he got Um, one thing right so yeah his performance is really good uh, those historical criticisms aside um, but the kind of the rest of the movie around would be a bit pedestrian without yeah. him in it okay. I think uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri is an absolute fucking masterpiece yeah. um, I will be going to see I've already seen that twice so I'll probably go see it a couple more times I've heard nothing but good things uh, and yes The Shape of Water uh, which is the fish fucking movie as you said uh, I went to a screen unseen that turned out to be Shape of Water which isn't out for another two weeks I think here mm. somewhere just before Valentine's Day the thing enough. is when you say to me it's a film about fish fucking like I still don't really yeah. know what well, the film I, is I, I'll give it the, the quick kind of cliff notes and I, I really want to do a deep dive on, on it with Jack on the popcorn social in a few I weeks I bet you do uh, when, yeah, deep dive pun intended uh, when uh, he's seen it but uh, to kind of give you uh, once over, Guillermo del Toro directs this, directs and wrote this movie, um, and it is about a, a mute woman working in a kind like in the kind of the middle of the the real romanticized nineteen uh, fifties era of America, like that aesthetic you see in Fallout games. Yeah. Think about that period of Americana, <laughs> living in, in uh, yeah, she's uh, this mute girl. She lives above a cinema. And works as a cleaner for some sort of like shady government research facility. They don't really go into too much depth because Guillermo del Toro uh, really like he knows what he wants from these films. He knows what are the important details to focus on. So the fact that it's a government research facility, you've seen it a bunch of movies. There's no point in dwelling on the intricacies of this particular research facility. He's just going to get into the actual thrust of the story. And they take on board a kind of like a, a test subject that they've brought in from somewhere else. And it's this kind of like basically a sea monster. Um, I won't kind of get into more detail on what that is. And it's about the, the budding relationship. She starts to teach him how to communicate because she's mute so she uses sign language to communicate like I give you an egg and she does the sign language for egg um, so they start to build a rapport that way and like she starts to fall for him sort of like it's a it's an interesting like 
romantic movie with uh, like horror elements there's a lot of kind of it's a, it's a thriller tour, so. it's, a, it's a thriller as well in some respects um and it's got a real heart to it and some very good performances from uh, sally hawkins and, and from uh, michael shannon as well who's like the shady creepy psychotic security guy who's like his whole mission is to make sure that this asset doesn't get like you know stolen by the soviets Mm -hmm. or or anything like that and he is like as the movie goes on he becomes more and more rapidly unhinged um fucking terrifying man but it's a it's an absolutely absolutely fantastic movie uh shape of water but yeah i haven't really done a whole lot besides that like seen a bunch of films that we'll talk about more in depth on popcorn social um and i watched a show called i think i don't know if i no because we've only been back one week um, I watched a show on Netflix called The End of the Fucking World. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard about this. It was on Channel 4 last year and is now on Netflix. And uh, I would recommend it to anybody who's looking for a really short kind of miniseries to get through. Like, it's eight 20-minute episodes. They're, well, they're, they're less than 20 minutes. It'd be 20 minutes if there was an ad in the middle. Yeah. i tell you what, that is absolutely the name of my next band. Yeah, The End of the Fucking World. Like it's, this, it's based on a comic book, and it's about this guy, like this teenage guy who is um, a psychopath. Like, he's well on his way to being um, a serial killer. Uh, and he meets this girl who herself is a bit of a sociopath and the t- like he decides oh i'm going to like pretend to be her boyfriend and she will be the one that i murder <laughs> but from her perspective she's just like hey this guy gets me like he's weird like me so yeah. it's this kind of weird love story that gets more and more ridiculous as time goes on shot really cool the the music is really good in it um and it's like <laughs> It's this weirdly bleak story that also is very heartwarming in some respects because you're just like, horrible things are happening to them and around them and they're doing horrible things, but at the same time you're like, oh, they found each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's a very strange story. I very much like it. Um, I, And like one of the things that's weird, like it's set current day, I'm pretty sure. Like it's one of those ones that's it's hard to place exactly when it's set. Okay. Pretty sure it's placed current day. And everybody in it is English, but a lot of the locations are so, like, you wouldn't necessarily associate them as looking uniquely English, you know? Particularly in the latter episodes. There's no in every corner. No, like, there's, like, there's a bar in particular that they go into in one of the episodes where I'm like, it just looks like, on the outside, it looks like, like a cabin in the woods in, like, Oregon or something like that. But on the inside, it looks like a fucking English community center. It's Some of the set choices huh. and location okay. choices are very strange in the show, but it's very good. I wonder if that's, like, a, a stylistic thing to kind of keep... Like, there's... Trying the, to deli- deliberately displace it from time yeah, and place. Yeah, the, the expression about um, to make someone feel uncomfortable is, like, the that sense of unfamiliarity with yeah. something you know where you so, can't like tie yourself to anything yeah, yeah. Oh, I so, know there I know yeah, there so yeah, yeah. could possibly be yeah popular. very good show though um, the end of the fucking world check it out it is on UK and Ireland Netflix um, I don't know if it's on like all four or whatever their platform is called now it used to be 4OD mm. Um, but yeah, definitely worth checking out uh, shall we talk video games my friend let us talk about the video games playing this week hey check it out I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2 Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Mark. Hi. Tell me about Strider. Uh, Strider. Um, 
Yeah, I'm keeping it current. It's a game from 2014, <laughs> oh, which yeah. is kind of a remake of a game from like 1992 or something. Yeah. Um, I briefly played the original Strider. Um, I want to say that I played it as like a ROM hack, not the actual kind of original version of it. <gasps> Shocking. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but I heard it's kind of one of those, those kind of classic platforming games. There's a there's a bunch of kind of classic platforming games that don't get spoken about as much as some of the others, like Gunstar Heroes and Rystar. Um And Strider is another one of them. Um, and I kind of... Games that are like remakes or HD remasters of classic games, I tend to keep at arm's length. Like, I didn't like Bionic Commando. I didn't... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, everyone hated Sonic 4. Um, I never played the uh, updated DuckTales, but it was, it was DuckTales, wasn't it? I'm thinking of. Yeah, like PS3, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, but I just. There's DuckTales and there's Tailspin. I always get the two sometimes confused. Yeah, DuckTales, they did a remaster on yeah, PS3. Yeah. But there's there's something with the. I, I don't know whether it's just because it's gone from like pixel art to like kind of full animation, full uh, polygons or whatever, but. Mm. They're all, it's that kind of pseudo 2.5D thing that a lot of platformers do these days. Yeah. Um, but there's a certain feeling uh, in, in the fluidity of the movement that I doesn't translate across. Um, and it kind of is here with Strider, but I think just because I, I don't really have much of a connection to the original, I, I'm not as concerned about that. Um, it's definitely like the most egregious... It would egregious... be like a, a, a dissonance for you if you had played it between how it moves and how it looks. Possibly. Um, uh, and it might just be that they fucked it up so badly in Sonic 4 that it left me with a bad impression for all of those remakes. Um, but it, it doesn't have that issue. Like, running through... It's it's a real kind of fast and fluid game, and it's very much... It's designed around exploration, but, like, going at kind of breakneck speeds. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got a full range of movement of... Um, as you kind of collect more abilities, like it's a very Metroidvania type game, uh, and so you collect abilities to allow you to like double jump and smash through kind of gates in, in, on the floor, and you can wall climb. And as you climb up the walls, you can actually kind of follow along and, and carry along along the ceiling. So like, if there's an area that you can see, you can probably explore it unless it blocks you off with like electrified gates or whatever. Uh, and it's very inviting in terms of doing that, and it's. And one of the key things about Metroidvania is, is that if you are going to allow the player to explore the whole world, you need to make sure that the whole world has things that are worth exploring for. Um, whether it's just a small thing or whether it's just a yeah, whether it's just a, a small trinket of some description. As long as there's something to be collected and it's not just a dead end, then you know the player will feel incentivized to explore the whole world. And Strider does a really good job of that. Uh, one of the really satisfying things about it is that as you're running along, you can you have like a kind of short uh, sword attack. That's kind of your main uh, mechanic or main form of attack. And you can run along at breakneck speed while just kind of slashing back and forth. So like if there are enemies in front of you, like the kind of one-hit type enemies, you just fucking mow through them as you're going along. And it's, it's very, very satisfying. It's a real yeah. satisfying kind of game to play. Um, kind of in that Doom sort of way, where it just it wants you just to go, go, go. You know, it yeah. doesn't want you to stop, and it doesn't 
only like you'll come across kind of the large rooms kind of like in doom as well where you have like the large rooms with the the, the i can never remember what the hell they call the the nests that you have to gore nests gore nests that's the one um it kind of does a thing where you, you're kind of moving along going forward uh, this kind of breakneck speed and then you'll come into like a large room and it, it will put you into uh, like a, a kind of arena mode where you have to take out a bunch of enemies in one go and then you carry on as you were doing so mm-hmm. it, it does offer that kind of change of pace but it never stops the the gameplay uh and yeah i I mean i've only put about two hours into it so far um but you know i am me i am the platforming prodigy and it right up your strata it it gets me in that particular kind of foible um i was going to download the end is nigh i'm still going to get around to that at some point that's edmund mcmillan's uh kind of follow-up to super meat boy yes which is going to be super meat boy but even more horrendous in all the good ways i'll not be playing that yeah with all respect to the man there was a a new game released today called iconoclasts which looks i yeah that looks very looks very mark robinson fucking awesome so i'm gonna try and get my hands on that at some point Mm. um and yeah and then the other thing i've been playing is the hasty version of akami which i won't talk about now i think i'll leave that until i've put a bit more time into it um but i have thoughts and, and feelings and not all of them are good um but basically i'll just say that the fucking camera in that game is fucking woeful <laughs> and i feel like that that is a, a worrying trait for a lot of the remasters or games from the ps2 era that i go back to that at one time i thought were great and had no issues whatsoever then now after all these years i realize nope the camera's fucked in all of them but Anyway, what have you been playing? Uh, I've had a a very Japanese-themed week in the games that I've been playing. Um, The the first one I want to talk about, because I've already spoken about it on the show, and one of our previous special guests spoke about it as well, is Yakuza 0, um, which I've kind of gotten back into, because I want to try to get through that. And I have Yakuza Kiwami sitting there to play, Yakuza Kiwami being the remake of Yakuza 1, that I'd like to get through before Yakuza 6 eventually comes out. Um... And yeah, that game is like, you will find it easy to get, because it's, I wouldn't say it's open world, like it is sort of, there's like small kind of contained areas, like parts of a city that you're able to ramble around in during different chapters of the game, but I wouldn't call it full open world. Um, However, you do get this, this phenomenon that's like open world burnout. Where if you stay away from the critical path for too long and you're just doing all these kind of different things or rambling around and getting involved in different uh, things that aren't the main mission, you eventually just go, and just move on to something else. Yeah. It's not holding your attention enough. So I I went back because what I had done was um, I had done some of the the karaoke stuff, which is fun for a while, um, but then it kind of, like, it does great on you. And there's a lot of, a whole lot of kind of the, the city the the cityscape feels very much alive in it and as much as like you will walk into pre-scripted events like little side quests just in the like rather than walk up to somebody and there's something already over their head like literally you turn around a corner into a cutscene and something would be happening like i was in the middle of a, a story mission now you don't have to do all these like once you get through the uh, basically here's what the mission is going to be it will tell it will ask you do you want to follow this now or do you want to come back later but I, I was in the middle of a story mission. I turned around a corner and the girl was there. I was like, oh, thank God, you're here. Uh, I, was, I was like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> and this is as uh, Majima-san, who is the um, the guy you'll see in all the uh, Yakuza pr- uh, promotional material with like the ponytail and the eye patch. Yeah. 
And she goes, oh, thank God. Um, could, could you do me a big favor? And he's like, who are you? And he's like, uh, my, my father is coming to town to meet my new boyfriend. Um, but he doesn't exist. I, I, made, <laughs> I, I made him up so that he'd stop annoying me. And um, I, I, I told him that he was a tall, thin man with an eye patch and a ponytail. <laughs> and he just, in the middle of this, he goes, that's very specific. <laughs> You look perfect. Will you fill in for me? <laughs> so you go on this side quest where you just go to dinner with her and her father. Okay. And she tells you a bunch of things like, okay, you have to tell him that we met six months ago. That This is what you do for a living. This is how we met. You know, you like these kind of films. You really enjoy this thing that I cook. <laughs> so you have to remember all that. Right. Because he'll periodically, like out of order, ask you these questions. Okay, okay. And you have to try and answer them so as you don't get rumbled. Yeah. So you go through it for a while and I'm just like, oh, fuck. I really should have screenshotted this so that I remembered because she tells you in a big paragraph the stuff you're supposed to remember so I remembered all of it and then she goes to the toilet and he goes look I know you're not really your boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) and you're left with the like the two options of just going oh thank god and what are you talking about (laughs) so I just go oh thank god and he's just like yeah I know she was lying to me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like you're you're very like why did you go along with this and he's just like she seemed like she needed some help he goes well you're a very nice man and then you go outside and you say goodbye and that's the end of the mission you get a bunch of money <laughs> that's the greatest fucking side quest i've ever oh, had dude, there, oh there's a bunch of ones like wow. this like there's one where you run into like um like a j-pop band who are performing are about to perform out on the street but like I think like these gangsters. Did, did one of the boy band members? Did they uh, like injure themselves? And he happened to have an eye patch and a ponytail. No, no, no. <laughs> it would be amazing if all of them had that conceit to them. <laughs> there's like, um, the, no, I, I can't remember the exact setup, but there's something involved in like there's these real tough guys who've been leaning on them. But the J-pop band, like their public image. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. So it's not that there's tough guys coming to get them. It's that their public image is supposed to be real tough guys. Right. But they've never, like, had a public appearance before. So they're like, we don't know how to act like tough guys. So you have to coach them to act (laughs) like tough guys. And I was like, okay, so if someone says something to you, this is what you've got to say. And you go through, that goes for about half an hour. You're doing that. There's another one where you have to fill in as a director for a food commercial. Uh, Different stuff like that. So those are, like, the... Like, they're fun, but if you keep trying to do something and you keep running into them and you keep getting distracted and going away, you forget about the main story and you eventually get burned out. So I went back to it, like, with the full intention of, right, okay, full on to the story here. And I just had forgotten how utterly fantastic the story in that, like, ridiculous, Mm -hmm. but fantastic the story in that game is. Like, there is the... um, We talked before about how, like, Majima's introduction in that game is one of the greatest things I've seen in the video game in yeah, years yeah. where he basically beats a man up by being polite to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like going along the critical path, like the, the fighting is fun in the game. It feels good. Like it's a little button mashy, but it, it feels pretty good. The different styles of, of fighting you can do are fun to experiment with. And then like you're doing these crazy missions where like the, 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 the Akuza are leaning on Majima and telling him right okay you can rejoin the yakuza because he's trying to get back in that's why he's doing this job in the casino is to try and get back in their good graces he's like you can get back in if you kill one man and he's like i don't want to kill anybody and you go to you you walk around the city trying to like list eavesdrop on people to find out where this guy is 
you find out he's a chiropractor or no he's a masseuse sorry he's a masseuse uh, working in the city so you go into his office and this really long cutscene plays out where like you're sneaking around and then all of a sudden this blind girl walks in who's his like assistant and there's like a whole like something like Tobias in an episode of Arrested Development of like the blind woman is walking around the office and like Majima is sneaking around her <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to not get caught oh man and like you end up like getting massaged by her she eventually catches you because like she turns all of a sudden and runs into you right. and then like Majima tries to play it off like hey lady you just ran straight into me and uh yeah then you get a like a scene with her your man arrives and obviously she can't see all your yakuza tattoos yeah and the fact that you have a blade on you uh-huh but your man does as soon as he gets back so you have this real cool boss fight with him that's really difficult and then kind of the story goes on from there but like it's it's a ridiculous like a farce uh, of an experience <laughs> but i love it it's so good um that game is is really really fun but like because I've I've never played a Yakuza game, so neither had I. Yeah, before this. but so like I'd seen them be played. What actually <laughs> is it? What type of game is it? Like is... it's that's really tough to nail down, Mark. I'm not going to lie to yeah. you. Yeah, because there's so many things you can do. There's like the, the karaoke thing where you could just like run a karaoke bar for ages and play the different karaoke songs and try to get like high scores on those. There are Sega arcades where you can play like games in them. You can do that all day if you like. There's uh, Kevin t- uh, Kevin Mann told us when he was on the show about the fishing mini game, which yeah. I haven't dabbled with. That you could just do that for ages and do nothing else. Um, there's loads of stuff like that. Um, God, what's the other one? I know there's one where you can basically just play like Dance Dance Revolution. Your yeah. character plays Dance Dance Revolution and you're just doing the kind of like hitting the buttons. Um, but like on the face of it, you're just following the critical path. Like it's this kind of... Uh, like not hack and slash because you're not using weapons but that kind of combat like where you are rapidly tapping a succession of buttons and like there are some combos and stuff to be done and again changing the fighting styles based on how many people you're fighting Mm. or things like that um that the, the fighting is the kind of the, the mechanic that you keep going back to. Yeah, the but it's not path. like it's not like other beat 'em ups where that's kind of a constant thing that's happening. It's more um, is it more sporadic? Uh, like there's a lot of story in it. There definitely is a lot of story in it, but it, it, there is a lot of combat as well. And even just running around, <clears throat> running around in the world, you'll you'll every so often not as much as Majima, but as oh I'm blanking on the other guy so you play as two different people in it like yeah. chapters alternate between the two of them and the other guy oh, I'm, I'm but it's not, it's the, not the other guy rival Yakuza gangs who see him on the street will just run after him okay so it's it's not like a, a Final Fantasy random battle sort of thing it is kind of open world and you will just run into people yeah, they're not huge maps with. like there are and you can avoid those people like it, it will pop on your map that they've seen you and they'll come after you but if you keep running in the opposite direction they'll stop chasing you if you don't okay. want to fight cool um, but yeah, the fighting is the core thing of it, and the, and the story as well. And the sounds like the karaoke and the, the dating sim part of it is the core main parts. Well, of the they are game. pretty great. <laughs> in fairness, the the other thing I've been playing a little bit of is Persona Five. Um, now, Persona is this weird kind of like niche JRPG series that is like it's not even just a JRPG series because they have their spin-offs like Dancing All Night and things like that. Um, but the, but the core games and the the most kind of beloved uh, members of the franchise are like hardcore uh, JRPGs about like kind of 
uh, younger people and their lives and the kind of the, the drama that ensues therein and they um they they fight in these turn-based battles where they're kind of like the persona comes from the persona is the name given to um this kind of um in the look in the synopsis for the game here that i have in front of me it's a physical manifestation of their psyche so it's kind of like almost their spirit animal that they can fight with in the battle if they choose to um and like on the it it, like it's really japanese yeah like if you if that's not if jrpgs aren't your thing this isn't going to be your thing it like it's not even that it's full-on anime it is, it is, and there actually are, like, near full episodes of anime, yeah. in kind of, like, the and it's really cool. Like, so this is my second Persona game I've played. I put about 10 or 20 hours or something like that into Persona 4 Golden on my Vita. I put about 10, to, I went up until the point where it really goes into the whole, like, okay, you know, you have to do certain things on certain days, like, yeah. it really gets into the, the schedule side mm. of things and I couldn't be fucked with that yeah uh, the problem was at the time that bounced me off it is that I hadn't really like RPGs weren't my thing for the longest time in gaming and the thing that really turned me around and I'm like okay this is the, now I will give pretty much any game a chance is Witcher which is a game, which is an RPG like I know it's a western RPG as opposed to a JRPG but even western RPGs hadn't really been my thing very often but uh, Witcher 3 was the one that made me fall in love with the genre and now I'm kind of gone. This is definitely not The Witcher. Because I well because because The Witcher was not a game I would typically play yeah. and I ended up loving it more than any other game I played in years. Um I said to myself, well now I need to take risks sometimes and take a chance on a genre of game I would never normally play. Sure. And the other thing that won me over to Persona 5 is that this game is the coolest looking and sounding game like i will say this the first time that i saw the ui oh my word i was like that's pretty good looking it's so good it's so like weird and ballsy and like even the 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 tile for it on the the home page on on your ps4 once you've installed it is crazy like it's just it's not even a the logo of the game it's a logo of like a a, like a top hat or some shit on fire that says take your heart over (laughs) it in the persona 5 writing uh, the music in it is so good. It's so good. Like it's, it's the perfect hybrid of like exactly what you'd expect from a game that looks like that and has anime elements to it. See, we had this discussion the other day actually, that because I was talking about how um, they were talking about this for the Giant Bomb End of Year Awards, and mm. they were talking about the music for Persona Five, and they played a bunch of music. Yeah. And none of it grabbed me. You see, it could be a case of that it needs to be like within the context yeah, of the game. One I, of those it could things. absolutely be that. Mm. Um, but like, we'll just I'll, I'll just run through like this. This is loosely what it's about, anyway. It takes place in modern day Tokyo and follows the player named protagonist, uh, who I remember Giant Bomb called him Larry Bird Junior, <laughs> and I called mine Lefty Duckton. <laughs> I called him that because you know when you get these fake Facebook profiles that try to add you, yeah, and they have ridiculous like kind of random name generator uh-huh. names. Yeah, I I'll never forget. I got a friend request from someone called Lefty Duckton. <laughs> that's just that's just one that's stuck in the back of my head. Yeah. Um, he gets a transfer to a, a fictional uh, Shujin Academy after being put on probation for an assault of which he was falsely accused. So you see, like a prologue in which there was a woman who was presumably about to get raped, and your um, your player character intervenes and kind of runs him off and somehow following this he gets the blame for the assault and gets kind of shifted away from uh, his home 
Uh, during the course of the school year, he and other students awaken to their persona powers, becoming a group of secret vigilante known as the Phantom Thieves of Hearts, who explore the metaverse, a supernatural realm consisting of the physical manifest- manifestation of humanity's subconscious desires to change malevolent intent from the hearts of adults. As with previous titles in the series, the party does battle with enemies known as shadows using physical manifestations of their psyche called personas. So it's like, it's this thing where by day, you're kind of doing your, like, you're going to school, you're talking to people, with the you're kind of like interacting with the guy whose place you're staying in, yeah. that you're in this new town, and you're kind of just living a normal teenage life. I think there's a point at which you get a job and stuff like that, so you're, you're doing those kind of little things during the day, but then by night, you're part of this, like, it becomes a heist game where you're these like the phantom thieves of hearts and like rather than robbing banks or anything like that you're you're basically robbing the the hateful part of people's hearts from them to make them be good people Mm. again but the way that they manifest that in the game is as something like a bank or a casino heist so you play through this really fast-paced casino heist at the start that involves some of that turn-based battling involves some very quick platforming as well and running around and trying to figure out like escape routes and things like that uh so I think one of the things that makes it better than some of the other um, Persona games for me is that it has that fast-paced start. It, it it has me on board already. I was like, right, boom, straight away. Here's the concept. Are you in? Are you not? And I, I'm in for it so far. So it, it has quietened down now as you're they're kind of trying to introduce you. Well, this is what's going to be happening during the day. They, you meet up with the... There's this... I don't want to get too into it for people who aren't familiar with the series but there's like this this one shadowy figure who recurs in a lot of the games who is the kind of person who makes the deal with you um and people who know oh, it's the, the old persona lad. games yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes yes if you do know persona games will know exactly what i mean by making a deal or signing a contract yeah, with that yeah. person um and kind of like i'm still in the relatively introductory part of the game like in the opening few hours and, and things like that um but yeah, it's so far. It's I think even during the quieter periods, the 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 art style, the 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 way the UI is laid out, laid out as we said, and the the music have have really kept me going. There are some as an absolute bangers that uh, during those kind of like heist periods or. Um, I really like the the anime style cutscenes as well, rather than kind of um, like just in engine kind of cutscene like they're fine as well and they do some of those like so there's kind of two types of cutscene and there's the one that are like fully beautifully animated with full voice dialogue and stuff like that but then there's the second kind which are like mini cutscenes when you run into somebody in the world which is basically just um text box at the bottom with the name of the person and their face and them just making noises you know kind of like in a like a Pokemon game yeah, or something yeah. like that, where they just go, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> not quite like Ecom Bokom when yeah. Mumbo Jumbo's talking to you in Banjo Kazooie, but that sort of a thing uh, is the second type of cutscene when they don't want to go full anime on it. Um, but yeah, in, enjoying it so far. Hopefully, I will give a progress report next week. But uh, yeah, I'm enjoying a Persona game. Who who to thunk it? Eh? Uh, shall we talk about the news? <gasps> Got it. The news. News on the mark. We have a bit of news hot off the presses just before we um, started here, Mark. You alerted me on Twitter that EA's, uh, I wouldn't say long-awaited, but definitely much-anticipated and much-queried about, queried about uh, multiplayer online game Anthem 
is pretty much confirmed now to be a 2019 release instead yeah, of fall. I, <clears throat> I haven't seen um, where it came from, but uh, uh, Nibel, Nibel, Nibel yeah, yeah. On, on Twitter uh, has basically yeah, has said that this has been pushed back to 2019. I'm uh, pretty sure it was and, a, and it had a 2018 It release. had fall 2018, but according to, again, that, that tweet thread, uh, a source from EA said that 2018 was never realistic. Okay. So, whereas I think our immediate reaction was going, is this a pushback because of the loot box situation? Yeah. Uh, like, perhaps. Could Who be. knows? But uh, also, it also player. sounds like EA were just getting a bit big for their britches by saying 2018. Or they were doing the, the expectation game. If we say it's coming out in 2019, our stock price does well for or if we say it's coming out in 2018 our stock price does well in anticipation of the game yeah. and by the time we delay it till 2019 sure we've already reaped the rewards from that and then 2019 yeah. is going I mean, to blow I, up I never um, have an issue or see a negative from a game being pushed back by six going to say a negative about EA well um, no I ne- never see a negative of a game being pushed back by six months to a year the first time uh, the second time you can if it's up maybe by like three months because mm. they've got a few things final tweaks that's fine um it's after that that you go yeah. into i think the important thing when delays happen repeatedly like the first one it's a you get a mulligan like first one everyone expects a delay everyone expects that the first release date they hear isn't going to be the release date um but if it keeps happening i think the important thing becomes communicating yeah like expressing with your community exactly why do you remember Uncharted 4 got delayed a, a couple of times? Mm-hmm. Um, but Naughty Dog did a really good job of talking to the community and saying that, hey, look, you know, we're polishing this and this. It's not because we don't want to release the game yet or because the game is broken. It's because when this game comes out, we want it to be the finished product. We want it to be as good as it can be. Yeah. And uh, we here on the show, 97 Episodes Strong, we have always been in favor of look. I would rather you take the extra six months and fix the game rather than force a broken game out just to make money early. Exactly. Like not Don't end up with si- Street Fighter Five, where you're just trying to get the game out the door for Evo and it's half a game. Well, and then on the flip side, uh, well, actually, they're no, kind of along the same territory of um, not every game is going to be No Man's Sky where it's pushed back three years and then still comes out and yeah. it's, you know, what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't say I'm overly fussed about the game but i know there are people that are i'm intrigued I'm, by what co- it is color me intrigued not yeah. not intrigued in the way that i might purchase it but intrigued is like i don't know what that game is no and i think that's obviously the thing for a lot of people mm. uh, and also just like it's hard for me to get an excited about a game where i don't even know what genre it fits yeah into. um and i'm just curious about ea published games in general at the moment because yeah. you know it's going to be over the next year or so that we see what the fallout from the whole fucking Star Wars yeah. fiasco is. There was a certain point as well in the Anthem trailer. I was like, oh, why is this not more Titanfall? Well, I like Titanfall. Well, uh, look, we like Titanfall, but <laughs> the, the market in general doesn't seem to. No, so that, yeah. I'm telling you, if you anyone is tempted, Titanfall Two is on sale. That game is boss. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll wait and see on Anthem. I'm sure this won't be the last we hear of Anthem's development because no. I think all eyes are on that game yeah. for what EA are going to do. I think like the, the sports games are pretty much immune to what's going on. Like The the practices of EA have long been accepted within the, the EA sporting game community. Um, yeah, I don't think FIFA's going away no, anytime soon. We're, we're in an... No, we're not. We're actually this... We're in an on year for Battlefield. We should get a Battlefield this year. 
because it goes Battlefield Star Wars, Battlefield Star Wars. Uh, yeah. So we should get a Battlefield this year. That will be interesting. Because oh. right. um, Battlefield 1 was boss. But yeah. if they put the same shit in it that they put in Star Wars, yeah. then it's going to be trouble. But also, like, do they... What, where what do they go with next? Do they do World War Two or mm, the Hundred yeah. Years War? Yeah, it's or all very Crimean War. Yeah. You know, where do they go? I, I say it again. Battlefield One was really good. Yeah. Like, that was a bit. I, like I was very skeptical of it. Cards on the table here. I, they blew me away with how well it was treated and how yeah. good the game ended up being. In fairness to them. Uh, moving on, we talked at the end of the news segment last week about how oh Nintendo are making this announcement tonight. It's something about some sort of new way to play. Um, is it some sort of motion control based thing? What could it be? Mark, this show last week could have lasted 1,000 hours and we would <laughs> not have guessed what it was going to be. We were sitting here having finished recording. We were watching some wrestling on the WWE Network, nine ninety nine a month. Uh, and or oh, one ninety nine if you cancel your all subscription. Of, all of a sudden I looked over and you were nearly in tears. <laughs> Like, but with joy and laughter, I would say. Like, a weird mixture. Like, it was joy, laughter, what the fuck? There, would that there be was, all happening at There was a 33% once? bewilderment factor going on there. So, Nintendo have announced this new thing that's called Nintendo Labo. Uh, I don't know if anyone has confirmed how it's pronounced. I'm going with Labo because of the amount of Gabo jokes that have been going on. I'm going to go with Labo just to mix it up. That's kind of... <laughs> I mean, you say that wrong, or, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a bit sinister, that one. Wow, it's me. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone's going to be playing with their Labo in April, <laughs> I don't like that, that doesn't sound good. Look, they made a fucking console called the Wii, yeah, so... Yeah, that's true, that's true, and if it wasn't weird enough, then they went Wii U. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. It's by the sheer grace of God they didn't call it the Switch. So they introduced this new thing called Labo, which is basically peripherals cardboard so you get like there's there's three packs that can the whole labo range is three packs and there's like a construction pack which makes a bunch of things we'll come back to that uh then there's like the the b pack which is uh the robot kit which constructs like a robot and a and a backpack for some sort of robot fighting game looks a bit rock'em sock'em robots and the third one is like (laughs) this is the crazy like there's like a a, te- a 9.99 pack of like Nintendo Labo like you know uh, stickers and duct tape and stuff that you can use to decorate your Labo stuff. But the things you can make on this uh, Nintendo Labo are just fucking wild. Um, and the way it interacts, like it's not a standalone thing. This incorporates into the Switch. Like I said, it's it's a peripheral, so you can see things like. Um, this little kind of uh, RC car, which uh, you click the, you follow, you construct this, you follow this, this is so fucking weird, man. You construct this little RC car out of cardboard. You slide the Joy-Cons into either side of it. Then you go on to your touch screen on the actual Switch. And using the fucking HD rumble. Remember how much we laughed at the HD rumble going, what the fuck will they use that for? Uh Well, they fucking showed us, Mark, because it uses the HD rumble to move the thing along. And you can direct it that way. It's fucking... It's so weird. There's... uh, I sent you the... the, You can make a little piano out of it. And you're like, oh, that's a little cool thing. I wonder how it works. And I, I sent you a little kind of excerpt from an article where... 
So you build this little cardboard piano, and on the top you put your your touch screen, presumably like the the sheet music or whatever will come up on the top there. But you slide your Joy-Cons in at the back somewhere, and the IR receivers on the Joy-Con are able to tell which key you're depressing on the on the piano and how hard you're doing it, and in that way is able to tell what you're playing. Yeah. Then there's like a, a camera that you're able to like one Joy-Con goes in that's presumably where you like click the photo or maybe change a filter or something like that and then one Joy-Con goes in the lens at the front presumably it uses the motion sensor to tell that you're using the the lens to zoom and things like that what else was there there's a fucking chicken I don't know what the fucking chicken is for Here's here's my thing. Um, so obviously, like you can't help but if you have any kind of joy in your soul, look at this. And there's think, no way can you not just have a big dumb smile on your yeah. face. The the thing that has me curious. Um, now, obviously, this is in no way a, a, a thing that is targeted to um, the the older audience. This is mm. very much a thing that you want to kind of have with your kids, and that's that's. Hey, dude, I'm getting it. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you're our big kid. Yeah, damn um, right. So the the only issue I have is that there's an actual thing in terms of being a game. Well, I don't really think it is, and like so, they each each pack comes with a game or series of games. But here's that the in, thing: that so as now, well. obviously, we're all, that was something that wasn't made clear in the the yeah, ad. There was definitely that, and that's a common thing with Nintendo is to not be explicitly clear on what a thing mm. is. I didn't know until I went to pre-order it that it comes with a game card that has all the different yeah. kind of like. Um, WarioWare stuff almost. Yeah. Now, we're a million miles removed from... Do you remember Rob the Robot? Yeah. Yeah. So Rob the Robot is this really I cool... Mean, all-time great uh, fucking uh, Smash Brothers character, Rob. <laughs> it, this really cool concept, but actually in execution, like in terms of the games that come the, with it. The powered love. Yeah. Well, not so much that, because I suppose it did actually have some kind of games focused on the power glove. Um, but in terms of actual kind of things that you can do with it, um, with games and stuff, like I do wonder how is it? Is it just a novelty factor kind of thing, and will that well, wear off after? People a while? are already saying the potential uses, like for like that. Nintendo may not necessarily go, oh, we have a line of Labo games coming out, but there are like developers who may make games or be in the process of making games who go we could use that in our thing. Yeah. The one that everybody is immediately chomping at the bit for is that camera, Pokemon Snap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. these people, within minutes, all caps, just give us Pokemon Snap, you motherfuckers. Um, but on the flip side of that, the thing that I love about this, and like this was the, the tweet that I made, was that you've got fucking Xbox One saying, hey, here's the most powerful console gaming, most powerful uh, console on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, just 4K... And look at these graphics. And here's Nintendo, like, here's some fucking cardboard. I know you're all going to buy it. It's a cardboard chicken. It's a cardboard chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know? It's fucking wild. It's, and, it is so peak Nintendo. Yeah. You know? And one of the things as well that I think is genius about it is the potential for this to finally be a solution to the inordinately expensive peripheral market. Yeah. One of the things that frequently kills peripherals is that they're just if they're only going to be good for one or two games, it's ridiculously expensive to get, you know? Like, getting your SOCOM headset tax an extra 50 quid onto SOCOM back in the day. Getting your your rock band or Guitar Hero instruments doubles, like, the, the cost of just getting the guitar if you're getting the drums and everything with it. Um, fucking, like, you name it. The peripherals are just, like... 
and they rarely ever last any length of time um like the the motion sensor stuff with xbox lasted longer than i ever thought it would have the connect stuff mm-hmm. but even that's dead now um like you see the problems vr has at the moment like it, it VR is its own thing, but it's also in the, in the PSVR sense of it. It is a peripheral as well because it needs the console to work the PSVR. And like yeah. asking people to pay that much money for like when they've already outlaid that much money for a console and still as well have to outlay money for the game to utilize said headset. And and the, I could see here the same issue being with VR as being with the the uh, Labo is that you could end up with just a bunch of tech demos mm. or kind of like proof of concept type stuff but yeah. in terms of being imagine, an actual game I imagine at the start that's like at, at the very start what it's going to be for the early adopters is there'll be a bunch of like cool mini games that you're not going to like kind of like a a one two switch or a warrior sort of thing it's like oh these are little fun things to play for a little while but not a huge amount of time the the problem the not the problem but the and then you've got like the cool fit. Like if you have a nerd museum, like I will plan to have in my, in my office once I construct it, it'll be cool to put the little cardboard chicken or whatever on the shelf of my Nintendo stuff. Yeah. Like you said, the, the problem is that, or the the point is then, right now we need to innovate. Now yeah. we need to see. Right, we we figured out that this stuff can work. Obviously, the biggest product test of all is releasing it into the wild, where you know the immediate problem people will have is that very small children. Um, and something as flimsy as cardboard probably don't go well hand in hand. Mm-hmm. <coughs> now, one thing is these packs, the pricing of them for something that has that like that is a peripheral is like I don't want to say reasonable because it's like it's tough. The 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 A pack or whatever they're calling it, the one that has like the camera and the piano and stuff like that with the game in it is the price of what a standard game would be give or take about 5 euro. Yeah. So that's as far as those things go that's pretty fucking reasonable mm-hmm. the robot one that has like the the robot fighting game pack your backpack and the little robot thing that's cheaper than a norm a standard retail game and then your thing with like all the flare stuff you can put on your stuff is only a tenner yeah so the price points i think are pretty good mm-hmm. i think the important thing then is uh making sure your retailers are stocked with oh my kids sat on the fucking robot so if you can get a version that's just the sheet that constructs the robot without having to buy the game with it again and it's like a tenner, I then I think what, people are going to go, do you know what, that's that's alright. I'll tell you what, brick and mortar stores must be fucking loving this. This is like Smith's Toys and places like that are, uh-huh. are going to be just inundated. Yeah. With, like, um, I think if the, the price point for like replacement stuff is, is relatively cheap, I think you're okay. I, I also think to be fair as far as the switch goes quite small children you probably shouldn't have given them the joy cons in the first place even before you tie them to the the cardboard because i don't see a small child not putting the joy con in their mouth and breaking it (laughs) you know what i mean um Um, the the thing with this like overall though is it's not so much this year it's like i'm thinking about in a year's time um, when we start getting all the the games expos and stuff, and just seeing what like if indie developer indie developers uh, like third party Labo stuff, or just just small scale indie developers, yeah, yeah are, are 
given to someone could make a a Pokemon Snap facsimile kind of like just a wildlife game that uses the camera like we have with stuff like Wargroove or whatever where it's just it's a spiritual successor yeah like I I can't see why that wouldn't be a thing um and that I think for Nintendo would be important to foster that like if if a developer comes to you with a pitch yeah that we'd like to have Labo functionality in our game, you go, fucking yes. Yeah, Just yeah. do it. That means we don't have to develop it. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's fucking wild. Man. It really, like, it's... it genuinely is one of the, the most left-field things, like, even for Nintendo. Even for Nintendo. I think this, because the price point is so reasonable, I, I don't think this, th- there's a, a scenario under which this is an absolute disaster for them. I think the worst case scenario is that people go, yeah, you know, that like it wasn't all we'd hoped it would be, but it's some cool Nintendo shit. I I think that's the that's the floor for this. And the ceiling is Nintendo Nintendo have cracked the peripheral thing. Like that's the the absolute best case scenario is Nintendo have cracked the peripheral thing. And they're just thinking about this shit in ways that none of us had thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, like I said, it's it's absolutely wild. I like I have watched this trailer so many times, and I just try to think about how the 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 meeting where someone came up with this, <laughs> and like there's the little house they can make. I'm just watching it again here as we're talking about it. The 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 piano thing is the wildest. Oh, the the fishing rod, the fishing rod is real cool, where like it extends and everything, and it has a string and it has the proper. Uh, on it and stuff like that so you could do can't wait for that Breath of the Wild DLC fishing nope. expansion <laughs> no, I want to Stardew Valley to... uh, <laughs> the, the no. fishing... that'll make the fishing game playable <laughs> um, oh boy but yeah it's just it's metal yeah it's I absolutely love it like it's just it's like I said it's so Nintendo it's it, like no one else no one else ever would have come up with something like no. this and I'm so glad it exists. Even if it like it just turns out to be a moonshot that never was, and it just lives on the shelf of history, like the 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 Virtual Boy, or the Virtual Boy, or like the fucking Rob or the Power Glove or anything Virtual like that. Boy, Jesus. The thing the industry needs, as a final point before we move on, is someone needs to be doing this shit. There needs to be someone in there just going, like, not thinking about the bottom line, just going. What if we did this? Well, look, here's the thing, because you know? like Nintendo have never rested on their their laurels when it comes to this kind of thing. You know, yeah. um, you've got Sony and Microsoft that are just doing the Jeremy Clarkson power, just more power, 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 better graphics, better displays, better resolutions, blah blah blah. And and you know we've been saying it for as long as we've been doing this show, and it's been the, the case for about twenty odd years now. Nintendo do not give a fuck about those two companies. And the the strive to be the most powerful machine or the best looking machine with the yeah. best looking graphics. It's just like a company that cared about that would not have put out the Wii U. No, um, which turned out like the Wii U turned out to be a five year tech demo well, for the console that does work. They would even put the fucking Wii for God's sake. Yeah, because that was just a what a, yeah, what a moonshot that was exactly. at the time. You know, um, they will continue to like be on a whole different path doing their own thing. Yeah. And, on a whole different fucking like peyote vision quest sort of bullshit. <laughs> and as we saw with the Wii U, they're not always going to get it right. No, but, but as, as we've we seen with the Switch, with the Wii and the Switch, they do. And the, that's the thing that I fucking love about Nintendo is even after the Wii, they well they kind of rested on, on the, with their laurels in some ways with the Wii U. But I think that's just because everyone thought the Wii U is what the Switch would be, and then they just went and made the Switch. No. Uh, but even now with the Switch, 
like we're not even a year into um, the release of the fucking thing, and yeah. they're so, they're announcing this nonsense. Do you want to hear a wild story that came out over our uh, hiatus? Oh god! In Japan, the Nintendo Switch outsold the PS2's oh, first yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> like, it's it's just it really is wild. Like, it sold ten million units already. Yeah, it's it's uh, a worldwide. good console. It's yeah, it's it's mental. And again, like, remember how like we were hopeful. Do you remember when yeah. the, like we were hopeful? But I I don't think it. I uh, honestly like my and, wildest expectations. And do you remember then when there was like no games well. in that machine and there's well over a hundred already? Yeah, in and like I we we pushed off. We were going to do the Nintendo Switch year in review uh, as our first podcast back. Uh, well, we were going to do it as a mini so before Christmas. Then we're going to do it as our first podcast back. But I think we'll do it like on the anniversary of the Switch's launch, yeah, do the whole first seems. year. Sure. But yeah, we'll we'll get more in, into the uh, into the the kind of weeds on this one uh, as it goes on. Uh, speaking of Nintendo, my friend, the most downloaded game of 2017 on Nintendo Switch was Stardew Valley. Yeah, it was. Of course, it was. Yeah. Uh, like. Uh, at first, I was like, "Really?" And then I was like, "Oh yeah," because the internal memory issue exactly. on the Switch is that like, was of course, downloading Breath of the Wild and that fucking. Thing. Although, a uh, friend of the show, Jack Lazell, is after getting himself a uh, 128 gig yeah. SD card. I mean, sale on. At some point, I'll probably have to do it. as well. I got one as well. Yeah. Um, like even getting a 16 gig bit, uh, 16 gig uh, SD card for my phone makes all the fucking difference yeah. in the world. I, I got the 128 because I was going to put it into my tablet, but yeah. my tablet doesn't take that particular one, and then I just went. Hmm, I might refund it. Or <laughs> let me just have a look at the Switch here. Put da, it in da, the da. Switch. Boom. There you go. So, so 128 gig uh, memory on my Switch now. Uh, I I'm not surprised if you'd have, if you'd have asked me and I hadn't read Only this. Only came out in October as well. Yeah, which but is it's crazy. that good. Yeah, it's it, that fucking good. It is. It, it really, really is. And it's it's like I know we keep saying it, but that is a perfect Switch game. Yep. It's. Like I've already, what did I was it fifty or sixty hours I already plunged into it. Something. I I'm up there already. And the, I I would be well past that if Odyssey hadn't come out. Yeah, I I well I got distracted by Steam World Dig and then Picross. Picross. Um, but yeah, uh, so Sonic Mania was third, which is great. Uh, which yeah. means that that game did very well. Apparently, I I had heard I think Waypoint Radio or maybe the Beastcast or someone like that had talked to somebody at Sega and they were like. Oh my word! But you know what? <laughs> they, right? Like they really like. I think the like. I think it really is true what people thought of it. They thought Sonic Forces was going to be the game. Of course, of course. <laughs> and I bet you they'll fucking make another Sonic Forces yeah. before they they'll make do, another oh, Sonic, we'll, Sonic Mania. No, no, they'll do. Oh, we'll do Sonic Mania too. But let's just put out a Sonic Forces too. Just... <laughs> Although some of the uh, the let's plays I've seen of Sonic Forces two are fucking hilarious. Oh, Jesus. Uh, but also followed by Rocket League, Snipper Clips. I still haven't downloaded Rocket League. What's with the matter with me? We still haven't played the expansion for Snipper Clips. We have not. Uh, and Overcooked, which apparently is fixed now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. at some point, I, I got to that. that. It oh, was, did you? It was twenty five percent off for a couple of weeks there around Christmas. We so. should play it at some point. Yes, definitely. And you can play it with the two Joy Cons, can't you? You can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but well done, Stardew Valley. Um, hmm, a game that we mentioned, um, God, quite some time ago. Remember, we we Happy Few, the the kind of brutal survival was that horror E3 game. Three twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Mm. Um, the one with the kind of jaunty uh, English aesthetic, looks like a bit like Orange, Dishonored. There's all these sorts of influences in there. Um, developer Convulsion Games has confirmed that the, its jovial 1960s inspired dystopian survival game We Happy Few will no longer release on April 13th, as was previously announced, and is now delayed until 
this summer. Yeah. Uh, the early access program has been suspended as well. So this this doesn't sound great. It seems like some things are on fire under I, the hood and they need to take some more time. Which again, I, like we said, rather than force out the broken yeah, version. I don't think it's so much that. I remember... Um, oh dear, it was E3 2015. Oh shit. Because I remember Alex Navarro talking about We Happy Few where he went, that whole intro sequence that you see is as good as it you think it is yeah. and then after that things go downhill really quickly yeah but i watched jim sterling play it and it's just like it's a whole load of empty after yeah. that like it's just and it is a really like punishingly brutal survival game yeah um like with like you have a sleep meter and things like, like it's it's real like it's too hardcore for because i don't really like that kind of like it, special circumstances things like um like survival horror i love but like hardcore survival like don't starve i'm not i never got on to don't starve i like those stuff but it is very difficult yeah, yeah but it is that kind of level of just like kicking your ass yeah it's the kind of thing where you will die on instead of like a binding of isaac where there is you know uh, an end game if you will uh, after a thorough review of the game beginning to end, the developers decided to delay final release on PS4, PC, and Xbox One in order to improve its structure and flow. Uh, alongside the delay, Compulsion, Compulsion has also announced it's taking steps to uh, address complaints about... Oh yeah, I remember this story. We Happy Few controversial price hike last year when the game rose from £23 sterling to £40 sterling. Ooh. After it decided to partner with Gearbox. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Randall. <laughs> Randall Pitchford coming in there yet again. He he didn't have a good week last week. I was no. seeing some tweets. No. I'm always seeing tweets from young Randall. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll keep an eye out to that. Uh, sorry, we happy few fans. I wonder has it gone off the store now for a pre-order now that because sometimes sometimes so. when sometimes when dates are cancelled like I remember when do you remember when Hitman moved from the one game to Episodic and yeah. they cancelled the pre all the pre-orders got cancelled and got refunded it's happened a couple of times to me with games uh, a little bit of sad news here uh, you may not know the name but you know the covers legendary cover artist Bob Wakelin passes away uh, the artist signed some of the most uh, iconic cover art of 80s games has passed away Wakeland's work left an indelible mark on the imaginations of players in the 80s responsible for the covers of games like Contra uh, Ocean's Batman game and Operation Wolf uh, during his time at Ocean in the early 80s Wakeland said he was producing some three covers a week through a fog of weed smoke and bleary hangovers <laughs> and when the publishers knew they had a lackluster game on their hands they'd ask Wakeland to double down on the art to compensate for deficiencies elsewhere <laughs> Quite often, Wakeland's art would prove more memorable than that which it was selling, and for many players, it's Wakeland's art that, capt- that captures best the anarchy and energy uh, of gaming in the 80s. Farewell, Bob Wakeland, and thanks for lending video games to your brilliant vibrancy. There's a great documentary, I think, to be made in yeah. like 80s video game cover art, which was always fucking wild as fuck wild or terrible like or a combination both, of the two both like um, they, like almost every cover in the 1980s looked like an Arnold Schwarzenegger film yeah like if you, no scroll down that that uh, article and, for the Operation Wolf one no for the Whizball one okay oh it wouldn't come up the JPEG's dead oh on my version sorry no no no, no keep oh, scrolling it's, it's in the comments oh, it's in the comments yeah which one am I looking for here Whizball Okay. Believe me, you'll know it when you see it. Chase HQ is a great one there. I'm loving Daily Thompson's Decathlon. 
this is really taking me back. Like, you should go to the Eurogamer story and just have a, like, there is, like you said, a, just a litany of classic 80s. Renegade 3, that is a great, co- it, like, he's both punching the man and high-kicking the man in that. Right, there's a big gap, and then the next one will be Wizball. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wizball, wow. They've given the ball a face. That is great. But um, it looks like a, like a dank meme version yeah. of the moon from Majora's <laughs> Mask. <laughs> um, tell you what, this has done is actually remind me that uh, the uh, Batman game on the NES is fucking great, but also fucking difficult. Yeah, uh, that was the first true great Batman game. <laughs> yeah, these uh, th- those those old games. We don't um, know how good we have it now, do we? In uh, terms of uh, difficulty. Uh, um, interesting, like, for people who enjoy, like, bootleg systems and stuff like that, a bit of interesting news. The PlayStation 4 has officially been hacked. <laughs> as in, they've, they've cracked, they've figured out how to crack the console. Oh, dear. Pirate software is now available, and more PS2 titles are running on the machine. Oh, Homebrew PS4 development on older consoles is finally happening, which has in turn led to the arrival of pirated software and a way to run more of the PS2 game library on Sony's modern console. The floodgates opened earlier in the month with an exploit that allowed low-level system access on the console, albeit restricted to consoles operating within the system software 4.05 specifically. This automatically limits severely the amount of consoles on the open market that can run this exploit because it's very tough to roll back uh, firmware and stuff like that. Um, And the vulnerability in the console was patched with firmware 4.06, which arrived way back in November 2016. However, since the exploit was released, there's been a lot of activity and support from hackers, including the arrival of Linux support, full root access to the system via FTP, and the arrival last week of PS4 Hen, a homebrew enabler. We've now reached the point where package files can be installed on the PS4 and tools are available to decrypt games, which can then be repackaged and installed on compromised consoles. Um, so this is a... There's always an interesting arms race, Mark, with every generation of like Microsoft and Sony consoles. So Nintendo don't really seem to care. Like... They, they care about like parental guidance and stuff like that but it seems like their philosophy on people getting into the games getting on to different stores when they sh- necessarily shouldn't be or getting on to uh, just hacking into the system they're like it's gonna happen yeah why should why are we dedicating our resources to this so like even with the switch you can just automatically switch to any store in the world on the yeah. switch because you know like, what I think the, the thing is uh, a lot of this is that I like to remain positive and, and optimistic that a lot of the people that want to do this, that want to hack into a machine, there's no actual intent to do damage. They just want to do it because they can do it, you know. And yeah. if you come along and say that, oh, no one will be able to hack into our machine, someone's going to fucking do it at some point, you know. Yeah. Um, and half the time they want to do it is because they just want to get fucking... A- uh, a ROM of yeah. Doom from 1991 running it, on the PS4. It reminds That's me... That's it. That's it, all there is to it. It reminds me of, like... So when this is a very very strange analogy, Mark, but you're going to have to follow me for a couple of seconds. So when I house sit for my grandparents, okay, okay, when they go on holidays, my granda has like all his watches, and my granny has all her jewelry like up in their bedroom. But when they leave, he locks the bedroom door. Okay, now bear in mind, I'm in the house. And the alarm system is pretty sophisticated there. Like, they have proper, like, up-to-date high-tech alarm system. They've got automatically calls the cops. Stuff of course. Like, the all that good today, stuff. You know. All that good stuff. Their doors in the house are that cheap, like, 
80s plywood door mm-hmm. that like I legit you can if you're ever in that that house again I will show you there is a hole clean through that door <laughs> that I put in one like in the in my bedroom door yeah. because I got annoyed that the attic door broke and I threw you know the the little metal rod that you use to open an attic door yeah sure I threw that at the door and it went clean through the door and I didn't even throw it that hard Are you sure your door's not made of paper uh, it's borderline okay and like every time they go on holidays he locks this door I'm like Granted, look, if burglars want to get in, they're fucking getting in, you know, <laughs> and not with much effort. It's like, why do you go through the additional stress? Like, what happens the day he can't remember where he put the key now, or he loses the key to the room? He's put himself through inconvenience by doing something he never had to do. In the I'm going to give place. a little bit more credibility to the PS4 than that. But you know what I mean? Like, it's the sure, same principle yeah, in that, like, yeah. it's going to happen. Why are you burning money trying to stop it happening when it's just going to happen yeah. anyway? You know, like this, you see the um, every version of DRM protection that exists on PC yeah. gets broken eventually. Of course, um, and PC there's this, again, there's minutes. this. Yeah, there's this. There's there's always this arms race. It's like, oh, there's a new version of this this uh, software out. They'll never get into this one, and almost before the statement has even been released, we got it. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> Except there was that one, oh, what was the name of it, a couple of years ago that actually did last a few months, but then when it was broken, it was broken yeah. all to hell. And, but, and like, we're just going to keep going through this process of... Like, is it just, ah, let's make it a little bit challenging. We well, know no, they're going to get it, but let's annoy them in the process. We're just going to keep going through this process of... Um, we'll get the new console, and the company will say, right, um, you have to always be online, and you always have to be signed in, blah, 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 blah. Because they, they were saying in this that, you know... By breaking it, you have to have the console offline now. Yeah. So it doesn't benefit the user in any way whatsoever. It's purely just to stroke your own dick. I've done this. Yeah. Go me. Or like it, it would benefit you. Like if you were hardcore dedicated to the homebrew thing and you're like, right, I don't want my console to be online anymore. I prefer having, figuring out a way to get all the offline games I want free. Yeah. If you're dedicated to that, then I suppose it does benefit you. But yeah, you can't. There, the one thing that remains is that there is so far no way to crack these systems in a way where you can maintain full PS4 functionality. Yeah, yeah. so that's, and I, I suppose the one I thing I don't think that will be possible. No, I don't because again you have to communicate with the network, which yeah. will have its own ways of figuring out right. This is a compromised system, exactly, and it will just yeah block it yeah. straight away. So, um, yeah, moving on. I not really don't want to pretend like I know what the fuck I'm talking about mm. with this. So let's move on. Uh, Brad Shoemaker we are not yeah <laughs> uh, Dad of War is coming to PS4 I'm actually really looking forward to this game it looks interesting alright I'll um, give it that because God of War never really on my radar that much no, I, I have played the first two hours of each God of War game and after those two yeah. hours are gone I yeah. just want to play Devil May Cry yeah, yeah. Um, well now. it's coming out uh, April 20th day and date with uh, Labo in North America <laughs> yes <laughs> Now, Labo, funnily enough, in the UK and Ireland, and maybe the rest of Europe, Labo was coming out a week later, 27th of April. Uh, well, 20th of April, North America. Probably just due to, like... Nintendo? No, it's probably just due to getting all the packaging ready. Mm. Um, but yeah, Dad of War coming out April 20th. Um, new trailer coming with it. Again, looks at, makes it look pretty cool. Um, I'm enjoying that this was, for Sony, a relatively short turnaround between when we knew about God of War and it came out, but 
18 months. Yeah. Like, it wasn't E3 just gone, it was the E3 beforehand. Well, considering, like, what they and, had to show... And it in looked... fairness, from the start, they said it was 2018. Yeah, or from so, what they had to show from the start, like, there was already quite a bit It looked there. pretty far, like, it was already playable. Uh, like, obviously, it was a kind of vertical slice, as they say, in the, the biz, where it wasn't the whole game, and it was sure. a developer that was holding the, the reins, and not just someone who was deliberately trying to break the game or see where the limits were. Yeah. But still, like you said, that part was fairly far along, so... um. Yeah, April 20th. I'm looking for. I think this might be my first PS4 proper purchase of the year. Like, because um, the first party lineup isn't for uh, a lot of consoles this year is a bit quieter than it was last year. Yeah, there's no bang to the year with Resident Evil to start stuff, is there? <laughs> it's just, no, there's not. Um, Far Cry next month is the first big one, I think. Yeah, what has been the Oh, biggest? Dragon Ball Fighters is out this Friday. Ah, that's true. Um, Even and still, that I depends don't think on, that'll be... I, I'm going to be doing a very much wait and see on the reviews on that one. I have the money if I want to get it. I'm going to wait and see what everyone says. See, here's my thing with that. I say I have the money. I have the trade-ins ready. I like Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like fighting games. Mm-hmm. I just don't have the time to play them anymore. Yep. Not to the point where I feel like I know what the fuck I'm doing with Well, them. you see, for me, it'd be like wrestling games where I don't obsessively play them. But it's kind of like just pop it on play for half an hour boom uh, yeah I because i'm a very much casual like i'm not someone who would ever try to competitively play them online no but i know? just for me i think at this point i'd rather just watch like a bit of someone else playing it go yeah, yeah that's a good looking game and then move on with my life uh baldy move speaking of first party games from microsoft uh they have made the xbox game pass deal look a bit sweeter which is this uh subscription service for seven pound 99 where you get access to a bunch of different xbox games every single first party xbox game will be released day and date on game pass if you game pass you don't need to pick this game up at retail anymore Mm -hmm. which is like it's a bold stride for that digital future because obviously you know in one respect it cannibalizes physical sales but in another respect if you can get everyone's 8.99 a month as opposed to just 60 dollars in one year you're coming out ahead there um, your thoughts on this? Every single like, obviously, there's not a lot of them. I'm sure. Tr- yeah, well, there is that. I I remember um one of the last times we were talking about Microsoft, and I'm I'm pretty sure I was saying that they need to come up with a strategy because on the current trajectory they're on, on the current path they're on, they ain't got fucking hope in hell because they don't have the games coming out to make the money, and the games that they have coming out and the install base that they've got. If they have aspirations of catching Sony, they certainly don't show it. No. And if they have any hope of doing it, it won't be because their lineup is strong. It'll be because if Sony take the foot off the gas. Yeah. Uh, and so we've seen the things that they've been doing with like the backwards compatibility, which is excellent. You know, mm-hmm. and full credit to them because I can play Red Dead Redemption in exactly. HD. Exactly. You can't do that with the PS4. Um, so you know, there's a lot of things to like about the xbox one uh, but it just keeps coming back to the fact that they just don't have the games yeah so i'm like is... a cuphead every eight or nine months isn't gonna do it no certainly of... when... for, for people who don't already own the console or i don't own a fucking pc yeah you know um so this it's very much a, a bold move um for me i see the kind of desperation of it yeah. more than the uh thinking on behalf of the consumer mm. um because I don't see the reason to do this or the need to do this other than 
people just not buying these games yeah. or we're just not getting these games being yeah. played you know although like if you're not someone who has a lot of uh like a la carte subscription things like the network or like netflix or anything like that if you're a hardcore gamer and you see over 100 games for the price netflix costs every month yeah that's a fucking brilliant deal yeah you know now I mean? with that said i bet rare are fucking loving this because this means that a lot more people might be playing Sea of Thieves than they could have originally yeah. be anticipating. Um, so the the three that are kind of like pushed to the front here because they're the only three first party games that are supposed to release this year. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not one sure of them, wanna... one of them yeah. is a bit. Mm. Uh, so we got Sea of Thieves, State of Decay two, and the 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 long heralded Crackdown three, which like I really hope enters Last Guardian territory. I really want there to be another Last Guardian. <sighs> You know, but Half Life Three isn't Last Guardian anymore because Half Life Three just isn't coming yeah. out. Yeah, but from like looking, but at I want those... the game that they constantly tease is coming out. It just never went. Duke Nukem Forever. That's Look, what I want. Looking at these three games, this is not. This is only just eight quid just to get Sea of Thieves. You know, um, but how? Because I, I didn't read more into this. Like, how does this work in terms of? Um, is it eight ninety nine? But you need to be signed for the year, it's like, and it's like PS Plus. Okay. If your thing lapses, all the games. Then all that. Right. Fine. Sure. Yep. That that makes sense then. Um, that's pretty like if you have that money to spare, that's you're getting a great deal there. Yep. You know, if you have an Xbox, you might as well have this. Uh-huh. Like if you, if well, if you only have an Xbox, you might as well have this. If you have any other console, your Xbox, much like mine, is gathering dust until the next Cuphead or Tacoma or whatever comes you out. Might be waiting a while for that. Yeah, yeah. But hell, do you know what? Still the best. Um, still the best of the the main consoles for uh, streaming media apps. Fair. The I... WWE Network app, the yeah, Netflix yeah. app it's their flaws well sure because it was meant to be a fucking entertainment yeah, unit exactly um, that's the one thing they need to but I, I do enjoy that my favourite game of last year came out on a console that I don't own <laughs> yeah, you're, very, you're very lucky you have me in your life aren't you <laughs> I love PC work here's a wild one like anytime oh, anytime fuck. Mark you, that you beat a game and you think like I must have no life that I managed oh. to beat Cuphead this quickly or anything like that just conceive of this guitar hero expert completes through the fire and flames without making a single mistake while blindfolded i have never even on easy mode completed through the fire and flames uh i've completed it i haven't completed it 100 percent. well as in like, like gotten through I, it. I think on easy mode i've gotten like maybe 90 percent on it although to be fair i don't think it's maybe that, i don't think that's not i've not completed it because i haven't been able to finish it so i've not completed it because i've just given up on the song about yeah. halfway through so through the fire and flames is a dragon force song that firstly is very long yeah secondly is very very bad <laughs> well should we say complex it's power metal yeah it's pa- it's, it's it's power metal and um, playing it on guitar, it's 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 like the final boss song. This and Rain and Blood, isn't it? Are the the guitar hero three yeah. songs well, that are? It's it's the final boss, but it's like the final boss when you've killed him, and then he comes back for round yeah. two. Oh yeah, because the one where you play against the the final boss is a heavy metal version of Devil Went Down to Georgia, isn't it? Uh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Which is I was not expecting that shit. But like yeah, if it just. <laughs> You have to watch it. It's it, like it's know. so unbelievably difficult, and like watching people who are using their eyes try to play it on even medium like gives me palpitations. Let alone expert, let alone expert and blindfolded. Yeah. Um. Like I, I don't like with this level of expertise, it really is like with the, this particular game like I don't get it with a lot of other games you know if someone's an expert at playing Cuphead or something like that I don't go well, why couldn't you have applied those skills somewhere else when someone's this good at Guitar Hero I go 
learn the fucking guitar. <laughs> maybe they do. Yeah, you like maybe know. that guy is Ingve Mamstein. <laughs> like, now, who knows? I will say this. At There's least... a deep fucking cut, by the way. Yeah, all no, right. I will. I will say this at least with um, doing something like this. It does, in the end, come down to just memorizing the patterns and muscle memory. Yeah, you know, because the the notes never change and dexterity, because like you need well, an incredible yeah. like finger speed. Well, yeah, and... because like the whole fucking song is just hammer ons and pull offs. Yeah, so you're you're barely ever touching the actual plectrum, quote unquote. It's yeah. just all like all his hands are up here at the top of the the neck. <laughs> uh, it's it's ridiculous. This song hasn't heard of chords. Like this is just <laughs> there's a few. It like there's there's a couple of brief moments of respite in the song, but yeah, it's large it's largely like fucking ah, oh, it's yeah. just ballistic if fair, I, like, fair play to him fair play but, but if I never ha- hear the song again it won't be too soon uh, David Jaffe who's a name you might recommend uh, recommend remember from uh, being the the man behind Twisted Metal has been forced to lay off the vast majority of his staff uh, David Jaffe has announced lay off at his studio the Bartlett Jones Supernatural Detective Agency which is a just a fantastically strange name for a studio following the cancellation of an unannounced project the vast majority of Bartlett Jones staff uh, working on games are now out of work he confirmed on Twitter last night heartbreaking for the amazingly talented crew that's out of work it's not clear what the studio is working on genre platform or how far the project was along uh, neither is it clear what the remaining non-gaming staff in the studio are up to Jaffe is best known as the creator of Twisted Metal and the first two God of War games in 2014, Jaffe founded Bartlett Jones, his own studio, and developed the cel-shaded arena shooter Drawn to Death, which is bollocks. Yep. Um, it launched in 2017 as a free PlayStation Plus game to mixed reviews and a short shelf life. Yep. Um, I, it, like, in initial impressions, Drawn to Death has a kind of cool art style to it. The aesthetic. But you originally, you quickly realised that A, the, the kind of vulgar uh, feel and tone of it it was just a complete turn off and the game's just not particularly compelling yeah um so i'm not surprised by this i'm mm. obviously uh very uh, saddened for the people that have lost jobs we go through through this every couple of months with at least one studio um but yeah just hopefully everyone lands on their feet you know finally in the news this week the best headline i'm going to read in 2018 i'm saying it right now john cena in talks to star in the duke nukem movie <laughs> And Michael Bay is involved. Of Rest- course Michael fucking Bay is involved. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wrestler turned actor John Cena. Sorry, rapper turned wrestler turned actor John Cena is in talks to star in a Duke Nukem film, according to The Hollywood Reporter. The Duke Nukem film is apparently set up at Paramount, which bought the movie rights from video game developer Gearbox. There's Randall again for you. Platinum Dunes, a company co-run by Transformers, head honcho Michael Bay is set to produce. No director or writer, but the idea is a Duke Nukem movie starring vehicle for John Cena, if it ever comes out. Okay. (laughs) Duke Nukem doesn't work. There's so much to unpack. Duke Nukem doesn't... It's the fucking weirdest... Duke Nukem does not work in 2008. It doesn't work in 2018. So for those of you who don't know, like, Duke Nukem was this kind of, like, like, testosterone-leaking first-person shooter 
from the night that was such a product of the 90s like it was it's so 90s and it it, it verges on the line of being a parody of like yeah. action movie hero type yeah. stars but it's not self-aware it's enough to be parody. not self-aware like it thinks it's self-aware but it's not no but it, it verges on the line enough and it's because it's of its time in the 90s and just looks like a Doom clone. Yeah. That it does kind of get away with it. Yeah. Then, you, then have, you have Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, so Duke Nukem Forever was this... Was it 14 years oh, it was in development? F- it's, look, it, it, is, was, it was the Chinese democracy <laughs> of video game industry. <laughs> you fucking got there It before, was mate. constantly coming. There and was equally the, as bad. The years that 3D realms like were just mercilessly ridiculed for because they kept going there is a famous video on the internet that is an excerpt from a podcast where jeff gersman is talking about duke nukem forever where he's like i was on a bus at e3 and someone told me yeah i saw duke nukem about six months ago it's looking really good and that was four fucking years ago (laughs) (laughs) like it 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 took so long and it came out and it was just shit just it was so bad but not even like it was bad in the way that obviously it was running on a game engine that was about five years too old it was mechanically out of date and just tonally obviously just so out of date yeah and you are you're telling me right you're telling me (laughs) i am telling you that you are going to take john cena (laughs) jonathan cena that jonathan anthony felix cena that man who does 300 fucking Make-A-Wish uh, uh, events a year. Yeah. The man who yeah. is dressed head to toe every week in <laughs> lime green and orange. It, baby. You're telling me that he is going to be Duke Nukem. Yes, yes. Do you know what, some, do you know what somebody said? Uh, it was like, uh, I saw a great take on Twitter, which was, was it Normal Brain, John Cena as Duke Nukem, Galaxy Brain, John Cena as BJ Blazkowicz. Well, yeah, <laughs> I was like, I would watch that movie, Wolfenstein Two. That like the an adaptation of Wolfenstein Two with John Cena as BJ Blazkowicz. But it's like he's Michael, but he's friends with Marky Mark. You yeah. know, like, that, like that's that the is, obvious. That is surely more uh, or uh, Dolph Lundgren. Well, yeah, well, twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, this. You know how we're still waiting for that kind of quintessential... Um, John Cena movie? Not John... Hey, Fernand, Fernando's great. No, Ferdinand, sorry. For, Fernando. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know what Fer, Fernando's like. Yeah. Um, you I know how we're, st- we're, we're still waiting for that quintessential uh, video game to movie adaptation. Uh-huh. I can guarantee that this will not be it. Yeah, I think uh, in a nutshell, you won't see that. Hey, hey, see what I've done? See what I've done? Because that's the thing he says. Um... I, I will be stunned if this actually gets actually great. Do you know what? I'm actively rooting for it to happen. It's, it's Michael it Bay, will, so it probably it will, be, will. It would be biblically awful. And it, <laughs> really? is, it is for that reason that I really want it to happen. <laughs> I really want to see that movie. Because you know what, as well? If Michael Bay... Like, I, I know There's no... like Because his company is on to produce, there's no indication that Michael Bay would write or direct the film. But there is no better director... You know what I mean? Yeah. For like the kind of movie he makes yeah. and the kind of bullshit that Duke Nukem Even if is, he's not directing it's it. It's a match made in the pits of hell. It, even it if really he's not directing is. it, his fingerprints will be over that. Oh my you god, know? he is such a shithouse of a man. So it's perfect for him. <sighs> what's um? What's his face? What's the... Uh... Use your words. House of the Dead director. Um, Alone in the Dark. 
Uh, oh, Uwe Ball. Uwe Ball. What's he doing these He's days? He's probably fighting journalists still. Probably. Remember yeah. that? Boxing matches yeah. with journalists. Yeah. Well, you know. He took Blue the Uwe Ball. He took Blood the rain. Eric Man. Bischoff route. He was terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah, this will be bad. Like, what do you want to tell you? This will be fucking terrible. <laughs> All right. That's going to put a stop to the news for this week. Let's move on to the Link to Cast Book Club, where we talk about an important game from the past that you should either play for the first time if you haven't already, or pick it back up again. Use this as a nice excuse to do so. This week, we are in Casa de Robinson as we talk about Rayman Origins. <laughs> Rayman Origins is a platform video game developed by Ubisoft and published by Ubisoft for PlayStation 3, Wii, Xbox 360, and PlayStation Vita, Nintendo 3DS, and Microsoft Windows. It is the fourth main installment in the Rayman series and the first main installment since 2003's Rayman 3 Hoodlum Havoc. The game was released on 15th of November 2011 in North America, 24th of November 2011 in Australia, and 25th of November 2011 in Europe for PlayStation 3, Wii, and Xbox 360. It was later released for the PS Vita, Microsoft Windows, and Nintendo 3DS. The OSX version of the game was released on the 12th of December 2013. The story follows Rayman and his friend Glowbox and two teensies as they fight Dark Toons and other evil creatures that have infected the Glade of Dreams. Sorry. I think I got offered a Glowbox in a nightclub once. <laughs> Rayman Origins. I got, I got a yellow Bentines. <laughs> Rayman Origins has received critical acclaim, being highly praised for its graphical style, level design, and sense of humour. Despite its critical reception, it did not perform very well commercially during its original release. A mobile game based on Origins, titled Rayman Jungle Run, was developed by Pasta Games and released for iOS, Android, and Windows Phone 8 on the 29th of May 2013. A sequel, Rayman Legends, was released for Microsoft Windows, PS3, PS Vita, Wii U, and Xbox 360 on the 29th of October 2013 in Australia, 30th, 30th of August 2013 in Europe, and the 3rd of September 2013 in North America, to similar critical acclaim. So, uh, Rayman Origins, along with Super Meat Boy, uh, were the two games that for me were a real kind of uh, progression in the world of platforming games because mm-hmm. um, we'd gone from and not so much just the fact that they were excellent but it was this t- return to form for 2D platforming games in particular Yeah, um, because Rayman like bef- before Rayman Origins is this weird kind of figure yeah like we well, have, still kind of is. Yeah, like, we have we have the like the mascot platformers that are tied to a console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we have our Mario, our Sonic, our Crash, and then there's like this B tier. Like, not to shit on Rayman too much, but no, it's but... very much like in the eyes of mascot platformers. There's like, oh, here's the other guys. Well, he's not a console mascot platformer. Yeah, exactly. That's the key thing. And that's the that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, in in some respects, there's the likes of. Ugh. 
Bubsy. And <laughs> there's a know, slight difference between Rayman and Bubsy. But you know what I mean? Like, there's this gluttony of characters from the period where 2D platformers were the thing to do, where yeah. they're just like jaunty, cartoony character in his platform and adventures with his mates. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the thing is, so, like, did you ever play the original Rayman? Uh, I. I want to say I did, but I, I don't really remember. Right. I, I, I must have, because I have definitely played a Rayman game before this. It's bastard hard. Yeah. Uh, so, the original Rayman was uh, a 2D, it's a beautiful looking game. Like, mm. even now, it holds up really well, because it's more... I, I don't know if it was hand-drawn, but it looks of that aesthetic. Um, and that was on the original PS1, and I want to say the Sega Saturn, but I can't say for certain. Um... But that was incredibly difficult. But that's a real nostalgia-tinged piece of my gaming childhood and my memories. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's a solid platformer. It doesn't excel as a platformer, but it's solid. It has, like, flying sections, has upgrades, all that kind of good jazz. But it's, you know, side-scrolling, just kind of your standard platformer. Um, and then what happened is platformers went 3D, effectively. Mm-hmm. Um and we had many, many years of bad platformers or platformers that were kind of good or kind of had some interesting ideas but were hindered by just developers still hadn't fully fleshed out how to make a 3D there, platformer. There were variations on the same theme, like a, a lot of those platformers. Like it was just like replace this character with that character, this mechanic with this mechanic. But there yeah. wasn't, for a long time, the genre was stuck in place. And that's, I think, where the genesis of the attitude among a lot of current-day gamers is with, like, ugh, platformers. Possibly. They're just sick of them. You know, like, people said that about beat-em-ups as well, when everything was a Streets of Rage yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, it's not as cynical as that. But, but the problem is, is that just 3D platformers weren't all Mario 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, it's Mario, Plat- uh, Mario 64 is about as good as a game as you can get. Yeah. Um, but that means that everything else kind of pales in comparison. Um... And so I hadn't really gone to platformers for a while. And part of it is that, you know, there was... This was pre-games uh, being uh, digital downloads. And we were coming out of the tail end of that uh, kind of B-tier, double-A uh, development studio type industry yeah. uh, or, or market or whatever. So, like, the, the market for kind of... 2D platform games didn't really exist anymore because they were they're, they're too small to release as like a 60 quid game and so you know the big development studios aren't going to be doing them and the the indie development scene wasn't there yet mm-hmm. um to to give the the platform for or there wasn't the platform for them to make those kinds of games you know not like compared to today where you've got every fucking platform available uh from your handheld device to your pc to your console to do that kind of thing so i can't remember whether it was meat it would have been meat boy came out first um so meat boy came out and we was into now that that uh, digital market where these smaller type games were available um not just on pc but on consoles as well uh, and I've spoken about Meat Boy before. I think Super Meat Boy is a fucking incredible game. One of the best games of the last generation. Uh, and one of the other best games of the last generation that maybe people don't talk about as much is Rayman Origins. And now, so Rayman had done the 3D transition. I don't have a lot of experience or knowledge of the 3D Rayman games. From what I hear, they're fine. They're yeah. serviceable. They do the job. Kind of like the original Rayman. And then Rayman Origins comes along and completely just rips up the 
what you know about a Rayman game uh, and really what you know about platforming games outside of Super Meat Boy mm. because what we have here is, is a platforming game like Meat Boy that is based on speed um, now you have platforming games like Mario 3D where they're not about speed they're just about technique and, and precision precision yeah now Rayman has that obviously but it's so much quicker so much more just fast paced mm-hmm. um, and it does the very similar thing to Meat Boy in that uh, death is just it's an instantaneous thing you die you're back going again there, there's no like waiting around uh, there's no being kicked back out into the main world or main hub screen or whatever the kind of overworld of that game is like Rayman Origins is a very difficult game and it will kill you mm-hmm. but it plays fair by killing you and then just putting you straight back to the last checkpoint and yeah. letting you go at it again it kills you but it puts it puts you back quickly and you know why you died yes you know it's a it's an adapt and survive kind of thing yeah uh, as opposed to a game that's just beating the shit out of you for no good reason unlike a lot of the the, the better side scrolling platformers like everything that is in there is in there for a reason and everything in there is a thing that you can learn either you you do the the thing the, the obstacle the mechanic once in a kind of self-contained controlled environment where you learn without dying and then if you die the next time that's your fault because you've been taught it or it's just you're unlucky that time but you'll get it next time um and like every level in rayman origins kind of like the the mario kind of like the um the 3D World and 3D Land Mario games in that they're just kind of constantly throwing new ideas, new obstacles, new concepts at you. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be just like one level in particular that does one thing and you won't see it anywhere else. Um, but it's so kind of colourful and inventive um, that, you know, you, it doesn't matter. It's just in that one level and it's memorable and you do it, you learn whatever the mechanic is at that level and you never see it again. Um, mm. But the game is so chock-a-block full of those types of things um and it has all the the charm uh and the the humor um and it all works and you know you have this art style that would see again be used for um child of light i think was the game yeah Yeah. and then obviously we have rayman legends as well and like people just begging to see ubisoft use that engine more Mm because it's such a beautiful looking game um tell me i've been blabbing on tell me a little bit about where you came with rayman again i i think like i i didn't come to it straight i i came to it in the wake of hearing all these things about how it looked and and it's a good nice point of what you just said there to dovetail onto it because it is I I think I just the the games I play uh at, like as an adult I I don't tend to go back to platformers that much except the ones that I that I always did love so new platformers are always a hard sell for me but it it's just you, you play through that game and you're just gobsmacked by how it looks the the ubi art engine is just this source of of constant fascination to me we never seen like again this just looks like you're controlling a cartoon and it's i suppose it's not as remarkable in hindsight when we've got like cuphead and we've seen child of light and we've seen that style a little bit more where it doesn't look video gamey you know what i mean 
so I, I don't think people who you know we we say the book club is you you go you go and play it for the first time you haven't already. I don't think if you pick up this game today that it has the exact same level of gobsmacking impact that that Rayman did when we played it back at the time or we saw it back at the time. Yeah, but it's still just it just incredibly striking. And like you said, it is one of those games where I I really don't like the kind of game where it's just like we put this difficult part in because fuck you i like if my platformers are going to be difficult i want the kind that like i said this game is where it's i know exactly why i made that mistake and boom snap straight back now i get to try it again yeah and sometimes that will result in me basically butting my head against the wall four or five times before i figure it out but it's learning to be to excel at a game by just repetition and by understanding the cues from your environment and, and, and what you're supposed to do. I think the the characters uh, in the game are like utterly charming. There's a there's just even Rayman idling. There's something very charming about him. Just this like weird looking monstrosity with limbs that aren't attached to him just <laughs> bouncing around um like glowbox and other characters in the world i think it's a, like a weirdly beautifully realized world even independent of the art style yeah. i just think like it, it, it's one of those ones that it doesn't feel like a platformer that was designed very cynically that like it was looking at other ones going well our our game has to have this because Banjo Kazooie had this, or yeah. because Mario has this, or because Bubsy had this, yeah. <laughs> you know, or Sonic had this. It feels like, hey, this weird thing. Let's put that in. <laughs> it's pretty much that. The whole game yeah. is it's this weird thing. Like, you look mm. at fucking Glowbox alone, and you're like, that's a weird thing. You look at the way that Rayman dies. Mm. He inflates and yeah. then explodes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. I, I think like I was trying to think about it in the while we were. To- like while you were talking at the start here about like have I had that moment since where I've just been blown away by how a platformer something as simple in concept as a platformer looks and the two times I can think of since I mean Cuphead is Cuphead is the obvious, is, is the, the most recent one. one but I had another one oh um, Ori and the Blind Forest yeah sure is another game where it's just like it's stunning what they've done like it's that game is less of a like out now platform. Do, do you it's... know what I will say does kind of get there just on the, the visuals Go is unravel. Yeah, 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 definitely. Whimsy Simulator. Yeah, yeah. it struggles like, on the platform. I know things, Ori but... is more of a Metroidvania when it opens up. Sure, like, but it's the same kind of yeah. wow moment. Well, even even like a, a lot of what I was playing with Child of Light had a lot of that. Yeah, Child Light's cool. Is is a yeah. really strikingly beautiful looking game, but. Mm. Um, the thing with Rayman Origins is, you know, obviously it's it's home to my sensibilities of what I like in a platformer or what I like in a game in general. You know, the um, the other Ubi game that I remember playing that used that engine to make that kind of cartoony or art style come alive in a way that didn't feel very video gamey was. Do you ever play Valiant Hearts? Uh, no, but I know the, the Great War, the, yeah, the World War One game. Yeah, yeah. Um, about the dog that's that's really cool oh, you should check dog. that out that was a free game on PS Plus I have that I think. Oh. so we should play that yeah. at some stage have a look at that. but yeah that's my like I don't have a huge historical attachment to the Rayman franchise because again as a child it was 
it seemed like a B-tier thing, so it wasn't the game I was demanding for Christmas or my birthday. I didn't know anybody that really played it, so a couple of times I got my hands on an old Rayman game here or there. Um, and yeah, Rayman Origins is the first one where I was like, wow, if this, if I knew that, that, that Rayman was cool when I was younger, I probably would have played this game a lot more, and it's kind of a shame in that way. Yeah, and like... The one of the things that I I haven't um, discussed yet that you kind of brought up about is like how just realised this world is and how much detail there is and so there are the um, I can't remember what their actual names are they're the the like little electrons that you have to collect mm. um, and if you grab them like I, I can't remember exactly oh yeah so usually you'll get them in like a chain of say like eight or ten and if you collect them in order uh, you get double points for it. Um, but if you like grab one in the middle it breaks the chain and they're only worth one point um, and part of the challenge and part of the difficulty of Rayman is it's not just getting from one side of the level to the other it's collecting all of the, uh, I think they're Luminies actually they might be called and I, I think it's that like right. I think it's like 300 in a level uh, is the max that you can get and you need to collect those to be able to unlock further levels as well Yeah, there's your collectathon element coming yeah. in um, but it's it's a necessary collectathon, and it's you know the, because of that, the game forces you to play levels in different ways that you might not originally be intending to, and having to do things that like you know it, it's what adds a lot of replayability to the game because a lot of the levels certainly later on you won't be doing them in one go collecting all the luminies in the the way that you're meant to, so you'll definitely be coming back to try and do them to get like the highest amount in one go that you can. Mm. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that, and I really enjoyed the, the le- like the secret areas. You know, it, it's a, again, and I talk about this all the time with with um, Metroidvanias or platforming games or any kind of game which in- invokes exploration. It really invites exploration and it rewards you with it because you you're constantly looking at all parts of the level, looking at like something that's slightly more in the foreground, and as you walk towards it, it disappears and showing the background, a secret door to a secret area, mm-hmm. and then that's kind of like a, a kind of puzzle in itself or a level within itself as a one particular mechanic, um, and they'd explore that a lot more in Rayman Legends as well. Lums, lums. Uh, they're the most adorable little things um, and then the last thing that leads as well is just the soundtrack is so joyful yeah as again as... An- another like and I think underplayed um, key part of a, of a good solid platformer yeah is like fun joyful music that doesn't irritate you yeah you know um, and, and yeah it, it definitely has that um, and the thing about it is like it it has a little bit of a kind of Grant Kirkhope sort of vibe to it because it's very jaunty, very uh, uplifting, um, and like the th- the kind of main theme is based on a ukulele, um, and like the first level I remember um, has this kind of uh, groove sort of sax playing in the background, um, but it goes all over the place and explores different kind of uh, genres and stuff and fits kind of each world that you're in, whether you're in a kind of western outback world you're in uh kind of a forest or you're in like this kind of icy this ice world but it's not just an ice world it's an ice world with like fruit and drinks as well um it's just it yeah it's a real it's a real joyful game um and the the sound and the visuals they all kind of complement each other very well uh when you're not smashing the controller because you're stuck on one of the last levels 
hit me with your elevator pitch. Uh, Rayman Origins um, and Rayman Legends as well. Um, both of them just excellent platformers. A real labor of love of that genre. Um, I put like I put Origins up there with the type the likes of Meat Boy and the 2D Mario games. It's just the best platforming games out there you can play. Um, Origins at this point I think is super cheap to pick up on pretty much any platform. Um, I'm pretty sure I still have it on my PS Vita as a PS Plus download for whatever that month was. And it's yeah, it just if you like a challenge. It's a fair challenge, and if you just want something pretty to look at, you can't go wrong with Rayman Origins. <laughs> um, one last bit of business, Mark, and that's for me to say what is going to be the game for our next episode, episode 98, creeping up towards the centenary of the show. Um, and I, I'm going to bring us back to the mid-1990s. Okay. Mark. I'm going to go to 1995 to the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. You may have heard of it. And uh, we're going to talk about a game called Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. <laughs> oh, boy. There's a game of contention. Indeed. All right. Um, so Yoshi's Island is going to be our, our game for episode 98. That's going to do can, it for... Can we get um, <laughs> Gersman and Klepik on the show? Indeed. Yoshi's a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for episode 97 of Link to the Cast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcasting platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast. Subscribe to us there. Rate, review. It all helps us out. Tell a friend as well. It can never hurt. Uh, linktothecast.eu is the website. If you want to get in touch, the email is linktothecast at gmail.com. But social media is the, the best way to both get in contact with us and keep up to date on the different things that we're talking about or posting about. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash linktothecast and at link to the cast on Twitter. Individually, I'm at Dave Ryan IV and Mark is at Lithium Project on Twitter. Um, go to our YouTube channel where we have uh, a lot of uh, archived uh, content that we did over the last couple of years. Just search for Link to the Cast, all one word or separately, whichever way. And then whenever myself and Mark have the odd bit of spare time, then we we will maybe get back to streaming the odd thing here or there. But I wouldn't. Uh, bank on it because we are very unreliable at providing that kind of content I have real life to deal with when it gets in the way indeed indeed uh, but yeah that's going to do it. episode 97 of Link to the Cast done and this is the last episode of me being in my 20s hey, no. Robinson truly has oh, arrived God. we'll see you all next week Ta-ta. goodbye Mark's youth